Hello and welcome back to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. One of the topics that I've been really diving into a lot here on the podcast is the concept of allowing ourselves to evolve as people, as business owners. You're listening to the Hairstylist Rising podcast. Here we talk about creating a career you love. We go deep into mindset, marketing, business, and life as a hairstylist. I'm your host, Jody Brown, a hairstylist veteran turned branding and marketing mentor for ambitious, inspired beauty pros like you. On this podcast, we share the real stories of leaders within the beauty industry and actionable trainings that leave you with the tools and guidance that will inspire you to build your best life as a hairstylist. From branding, business, and marketing to mindset, life, and finding fulfillment, no topic is off limits here. Get ready to be educated and inspired. This is the Hairstylist Rising Podcast. Welcome to the show, Marissa. I'm so excited to have you here. Hey, Jody, thank you. I love getting to chat with you, so I'm excited. I am really excited to explore your story today because one of the topics that I've been really diving into a lot here on the podcast is the concept of allowing ourselves to evolve as people, as business owners. And I think so often we can allow ourselves to really get stuck in a box when it comes to traditionally the way people talk about business and think about business. And in no way do I ever say there aren't best practices, but I do think that we sometimes limit ourselves and fail to see the possibility because sometimes it's so easy to focus in on the problem. And so I'm really excited to explore your story today because there have been a lot of pivots and turns in the way that you operate your business. Before we get into the conversation, if you could just take a second to introduce yourself and tell my listeners a little bit about who you are, what you do in the beauty industry, and your journey so far. Thank you. I'm Marissa Bender. I own Moss Hair Collective in Columbus, Ohio. It's a rental salon, but I try to think, I think about it more of a hybrid rental because we do try to operate as a team. My story actually started when I was really young because I grew up in a hair salon. I'm Greek on both sides and my mom was born in Greece and her dad, my grandpa, he owned two salons in Greece before they moved to the States. And when they moved here, he actually, it's a funny story, but basically like they ended up buying a really small house And then they added a salon onto the back of it. So like they did a full addition. So I grew up not just going to grandma's house or grandpa's house, but going to the salon. So we went over there. If it was during work hours, we would, it was a very much like a neighborhood family type salon. So we would come in and say hi to all the clients. And then my mom or my aunt or somebody, whoever was hanging out with us, watching us, we would go downstairs and into the main house and wait for them to be done with work and come hang out with us. So was always around that. And I always, I don't know, it's just always been a part of my life. And growing up, I was a dancer and I was very artistic and super into like all the art stuff at my school. And when it came time for me to decide what I wanted to do for a job, my first choice or my first instinct was to like, I wanted to go to dance school. And then you realize, do I really want that to be my job? Like the hours, the money, the stress, the travel, all the things. And then I was like, okay, maybe I'll go to art school. And then you start considering the same things. Do I want to teach in a high school? Do I want to have a less traditional art job? And so it it just, it was like I was fighting it, like to become a hairstylist because I was surrounded. 
even on my dad's side, my aunt was a hairstylist too. So they they were just all around me, <laughs> all the salons growing up. <laughs> and so it was like, I was fighting it. Like I didn't want, like it, it almost felt like I was settling. And instead of thinking about it like that, I made the choice to go into home school because I was like, okay, it's only like a year and a half. And if I absolutely hate it, at least I can have that as a job and go back to school for something else. Of course, that didn't happen. Of course, I, I graduated. I went to Paul Mitchell in Columbus and I loved it. And I graduated and I went right into a salon and started just playing with hair and color. And it was instantly obsessed with hair color. I worked in a lot of different types of salons before going out on my own. I worked in a few commission salons, some that were really basically no structure at all. <laughs> and then some that were what we would call more corporate traditional salon. So I've seen it all in that regard, which actually I think made it a little easier when I decided to go out on my own and opened a salon loft with a friend. And that was about two years. It went really well. I really enjoyed that phase of my career. Honestly, I was 20, I was 24, I think, or 20, 25 when I started a salon loft. And did that for two years and you're like young in your 20s and it's fine to work till 1030. You're just like hustling. <laughs> I laugh about it now. I'm like, I to my husband, I'm like, I can't believe that I used to just go to the salon every single day and work till 1030 at night. And I thought that was like the best thing ever. <laughs> like now I'm like, it's 630. Like I'm about to miss dinner time. So that was a fun phase. And then my friend and I that we had our salon loft together, we decided to open a salon and it started really small just the two of us and then one assistant. And then we grew that into, I would say a modern commission salon. I wouldn't say like super traditional. We were trying to do things a little bit different and it was great for about four and a half years. And then we went our separate ways. We just wanted different things out of the salon, out of the industry. And it just wasn't working anymore. I actually stayed in that location and transitioned Moss into what it is now. That's the short version when that transition happened. It was like a solo effort for about six months. I was refiguring out everything by myself, which was a really, we'll say it was a great learning experience. <laughs> that's when you uh, and I met, I think for the first yeah, time. That's yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So I was really, it was in this phase of starting fresh. And I, the one thing I knew for sure was that I did not want to just recreate what I had before, because even though there was a time that it was working, I couldn't help but ask myself, yeah, was it working or was I just convincing myself that it was working because it was, it would be way too much work to change, right? Like you've heard, Mm -hmm. I think people use analogies like this a lot where it's like, it's one thing, like if you're on a train and you know how sometimes they have tracks and you just pull a lever and you just slightly go a different direction. That's not terrible. But if you're, you can't like take a train and make a hard right angle. Right. Like the whole thing will like derail itself. So I think that was the position I was in before was like just trying to make like slight adjustments and figure out what I really wanted. But now I had this opportunity where the train had already stopped and I could put it in whatever direction I wanted to go. So let me ask you a question then, because this is something that I don't think we've ever chatted about before. What was it that when you and your partner went your separate ways, what was the moment that that made you realize operating a commission salon isn't what I want anymore? Oh, that's such a good question. And I can actually tell you pretty clearly what that was for me. I was talking to a, another friend of mine, a mentor of mine, who's another salon owner in the city. And she was just trying to help me chat it out. Just 
what are the options? What could you do? I could do this. I could do this. Like there's like all, there's a list somewhere that I have made of like all the different options. And she said, okay, now look at this. And then inside of every option, think about really what do you want your everyday to be? How much of that, how much of that story, like whatever you decide to do with this business, what does that mean for your personal life? How much are you taking home with you? What do you want your lifestyle to be as a business owner? And it was like easy. I don't want to be responsible for people's money anymore. That, That was it for me. I didn't want to ever be responsible for someone else's paycheck, for someone else's livelihood, for paying their payroll or doing payroll, payroll taxes, social security, all the stuff that sometimes people don't think about that goes into being an employer. And then I was just like, this is an easy choice. I never want to be an employer again. And so once I made that decision, I was just like, okay, cool. What is, what version of a rental salon supports me as an artist would attract the right type of people for me in the salon that like I would enjoy working with, that would enjoy working with me? How do you create how do you get people freedom, but also maintain a level of standard? Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I, my mom did nails growing up too. And so I spent a lot of time in booth rent salons that were, oh, I don't know. I don't want to be rude, but just basically a shit show. Right. My mom had a small nail desk in the front window and then every other hairstylist in the salon. And so you could tell, right? Like one station would be a disaster. Then, and then the next station next to her would be super clean and then there's like someone in the back who like does the exact same thing as they did in 1970. And then there's like the young new stylist in the front who's like trying to make it. So there's something cool about that for sure. But like aesthetically, I like a very clean and like appealing space. I don't want to walk into a salon and feel like there's seven different salons. It's just like a salon loft with no walls. So I didn't want to have that. I had already built something that I really liked that was way more regimented. So I wanted to dial it back a little bit and not be, not strangle it so much, not be so tight with the, I don't want to say with the standards, but with the expectations of people, because you also can't, like, if you're not going to be an employer, you can't have the same expectations of people when they're not your employees. So for sure, the mindset shift, honestly, that was probably the hardest part was like changing how I was thinking about it. And then just how you show up every day, things that I used to do and say and ways I used to say, you just have to change all of that. And it, it can't happen overnight. Like it's a slow process. Yeah. And one of the things that I remember actually from when you and I first met and one of the things that you even just said now that I think is so smart when it comes to building your salon full of independence, but still maintaining a culture is you were very intentional about who you want to attract and like the brand you were building. And I think that because you were intentional about that, and for anyone who's listening, who's I think this is really helpful because a lot of the people in my world find me when they're during a period of like transition or they're wanting to like really go big or they're wanting to really take control. So I think this is a very important conversation when it comes to really considering all of the realities of whichever path you choose. And what you said about like, how do I create a culture and do this without necessarily having to have all that control? Essentially what you're talking about and what you're doing is like building a brand, right? To attract the right people. So that's going to filter out anyone who doesn't necessarily align because there are independents and I can count myself amongst these actually when I was an independent who 
are looking for somewhere that does maintain a certain culture so that they can maintain a certain standard and experience for their clients. So tapping exactly. into that market, I think is really brilliant. It's funny too, because as I'm listening to you explain that, I'm like, something else that I think is really important to acknowledge is that definition changes. Right. Like when I first started, I thought, I thought that my ideal stylist is, was someone different than who they actually are. Wow. And the only way that, the way that kind of reveals itself, I should say, is through time and through ex experimentation, if you will. You, you have to just bring people in who you think will work or who have potential or whatever it is that attracts you to the person or, and that therefore attracted them to your salon, right? You have to just try. It's, it, it's funny to me because I, man, it's, I, I wish I could like pinpoint exactly what it is, but I don't know that I can right now, but it, just every new person that started teaches you, te taught me, I should say, or has the potential to teach you something new about yourself and how you operate within your business. And then you get to decide, is this something that I want to keep? Or is this something that I don't want to attract anymore? And then the fun part, if, if, if it's fun for you, sometimes it's, it can be stressful, is figuring out like, okay, well, what was it that I was putting out there that attracted this thing that I either didn't want or that I really want and I want more of? And right. so it's kind of like you got to get a little sneaky about your messaging and also what you're putting out there and how you are interacting with those people because those relationships also can kind of create a template for what you want to recreate and what you don't want to recreate. Oh my God. Right? Rosa, <laughs> so. Yes. And this is so good too, because this is the part that I think trips so many people up is they get stuck in that analysis. And I see this all the time because in the marketing space, like we talk about, you know, finding that ideal client and all these things. And I, I'm, I very much pivoted how I teach this actually over the years, because I think the traditional way of teaching like ideal client is actually extremely outdated and kind of irrelevant at this point. And so honestly, when you said you just have to try and that allow that to evolve, this is something that I want every single person listening to take away is that like, overthinking and overanalyzing this like perfect person is going to stop you from taking action. And that's the thing that's actually going to give you the clarity, like Marissa just said. Yeah. And it's funny because I wouldn't have told you that three years ago when this started. I'd have been like, no, no, no. I know exactly who I want. Yeah. And it, it really didn't take that long. It was like within the first year, almost two years that I was like, okay, like, I think I have a better idea now. And what's funny that's like kind of a recent development is, I don't know, there, you, you don't want to get too attached to people either. And I think that in the salon industry, we don't talk about people leaving your salon enough and how that's not always a bad thing and not always a bad thing, not because that they're bad for the salon, but because like people are going to move on and hopefully do something cool for themselves or better. I would much rather them leave to do something better for themselves and yeah. to create something for themselves rather than, oh, Marissa didn't meet my needs or Moss wasn't the place right. I wanted to be or the environment was like, I never want it to be about that. Yeah. I don't want it to be that I wasn't giving enough or supporting enough. If anything, I'd rather support people to do their own thing if, the, if that's what they want to do. That's not for everyone either. I'm trying to build something that's, that people do, will want to stay at, at least for a long period of time, maybe not forever. Nothing's forever. You know no. what I mean? I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like, Sometimes I think, especially in the older models, like more traditional 
commission salon, it's no one wants to talk about the, the exit process, right? What happens when you no longer can meet my needs and it's not a negative thing, right? We've just outgrown each other. I think we have to talk about that more because it's, it shouldn't be this heavy, like betrayal situation or something like that. Exactly. And I think the thing too, is when it comes to keeping people from long haul, you're really making me think right now. And one of the things that I, that popped into my head is the fact that like a lot of the time, the people who are going to show up the best for you in your business and the people who are going to have such an impact on your journey as a salon owner are going to be those who have that like entrepreneurial mindset and they're driven and they're really wanting to make the best of the situation that they're in and build their clientele and show up in a really beautiful way. And you're right. Wouldn't it be more amazing to be the person who's like the jump off point and mentor them through it and be able to keep those relationships that you built? I think that's we're all able to, there's enough out there for everyone is what I'm trying to say. And I think that holding on to the past sometimes can really limit you from getting to what's next for you. Yeah, I completely agree. I was chatting with, um, with Lindsay, who I know that you know, too. I was in Chicago last weekend and I finally like got to meet up with her in person and we had a good time. We were talking about just some of the same stuff. And, um, one of the things that she always kind of r- reminded me or like was one of the first people to tell me this. And I, I will say, I remember the first time she told me this and I kind of thought it was not bullshit, but I was just like, okay, like, I don't know about that. Cause she was, she was trying to make the point of the wow factor or the, the point of difference in your business is you. Right. So, and I think that there's a, a balance between how we look at this, right? Like we don't want to make our businesses all about ourselves. So like it's right. not for that. And I think there's a difference between if you're a salon owner and you're not in your business, if you don't do hair behind the chair, if you don't work there, maybe right. this doesn't really apply. But for someone who is like me, who is still a stylist, like I still work at my salon right? and I'm still very much doing all the things. So it's the people who stay and or the people who I'm going to continuously attract are a reflection of myself in that moment too, right? Because it, it's more important how you make people feel during the day when they're working with you and also just to be a part of what you've created versus, oh, there's another salon that's doing the same thing. Maybe they are, but there's a different person there. So there's going to be a different energy, a different communication style, and none of those are bad things. It's just more about who's a good fit. Like yeah. that's really... That's kind of, I think, the lesson that I've learned. Like, are you a good fit for your business? And then is your business a good fit for you? And then is your business and you a good fit for the people that you're like putting inside of it? Right. You know, so there, there is like, there is so much room. And like, I mean, we're in Columbus, Ohio. We have like 1 million hairstylists. I don't know that that number is correct, but there's a ton of them. Yeah. And we have a ton of salons. And it is hard sometimes to not get into that like scarcity competitive mindset. Like, oh my God, another salon, another salon, another salon. Like how many salons do we need people? But I mean, if people are wanting to do it, it's like, just let it be what it is. If the salon is going to succeed, then it'll succeed. And then maybe if maybe some of the salons too now, it's not necessarily that people are building businesses where they want to grow and have all these people that work with them. I think a lot of what's happening now too is independent stylists just want their own lease. And there's nothing wrong with that either. So it just depends on what your goals are. Like, I think there's enough space for all the different types of salons and types of salon owners and types of stylists. 
Absolutely. And I think the other thing too, to just be mindful of is no amount of stressing about other salons opening is going to actually give you any control over that. So like, why why expend the energy over like this is not worth it really tried to practice in my own life and like, you know, comes up in conversation with even just my friends a lot is if we're expending all of our energy on things that are completely out of our control, it's not going to leave much left for actually making the changes that can impact your actual life. (laughs) Oh my God. And we have to save that energy because I will tell you, it doesn't really ever stop, but like you do get to get, you do get to control at least how much you do at a time. Yeah, at least that's been my current way of dealing with stuff. Like my to-do list for the salon never gets shorter. So you feel like you're failing all the time because I cross one thing off, I add two more. I cross three things off, I add five more. So we don't always look at the things that we've crossed off the list. We're just looking at the continuation of what keeps being added. Yeah. So yeah, like there's enough stress. Like we don't need to be taking other people's hopes and dreams and like adding them to our stress bucket. Like that seems insane. (laughs) Yeah. Absolutely. And it's so funny because I remember I worked as like a sales rep for a distributor for like a short period of time. And there was the the town that was in my territory, one of them, and I actually grew up there. And I remember looking through the things and I was like, oh my goodness, there's literally 70 salons. And this town had a population of like 70,000. So I was like, oh, that's a thought about it per salon. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Like I thought about it and I was like, considering a lot of these salons are like pretty small and maybe one chair salons, it seems a lot when you look at it that way, but then actually it works. They all sustain themselves. So it is what it is. Right. And I think you're right. Like the right stylist will be there. The right clients will be there. And I think you just have to like keep your, one of my friends under says like, keep your eyes on your own paper. And I think that's Mm -hmm. such a good way of putting it. I like that. Right. Because that used to be like so aggressive, like when you're in school and like eyes on your own paper, but it's like, okay, like, Ooh, I like that. I'm a that. I know. I love it too. (laughs) So what is the biggest lesson you would say that you have learned as a result of transitioning in your career to a different business model? Okay, I could go on for a long time about this, but I'm going to try to condense it. I feel if I want to break it way down. So like how I always like to think about things is there there's always there's always like one step deeper, right? On the surface, it's okay. I got to stay where I wanted to stay and I got to have my day-to-day. My friend who asked me, on the surface level, it was all about my lifestyle choices, right? But on the deeper level, it's really, I think, about listening to your intuition and to that voice that like maybe not trying to be any type of way about this, but it's like I felt like part of me knew that a lot of what happened was going to happen. Right. And that maybe if I would have made different choices, duh, if you make different choices, things are different, right? Just acknowledging what you actually want and taking the time to figure out what that is because it's not an easy thing to do even when you start to get better at it because it is a practice right this internalizing and intuitive like listening to your intuition is a lifelong practice but that point in my life when everything changed and, and I had to make a lot of decisions relatively quickly I I had no, it's what we were talking about before. If you overanalyze and like you're in your head about it too much, you will actually drive yourself insane. 
And so it's more about like, you get, you've pretty seen that episode of Friends where Phoebe does the thing where she's okay, answer real fast. Like, yes. What do you want? This or this, this or this, this or <laughs> yes. this. And it's, you have to do that to yourself a little bit, like when you're in a position of stress like that. And so I, I did that and I was just like, okay, what do you really want? I loved working as an independent hairstylist. So I'm like, why would I expect people to give away their freedom to me when I wanted that freedom? I want to give people that freedom. I don't want to take it from them. And that didn't leave me feeling empowered. What made me feel empowered as a hairstylist was being able to make my own choices and to be able to be an artist. Like, I, I think it was made very clear to me, not by anyone else, but just by like doing this work of really thinking about like, why do I want to, why do I even, why am I still doing this? I've been doing hair for like 15 years now. Like, why? (laughs) You know what I mean? What do I love about this job? And how can I make it a part of this business that I now have to turn around into something that is 100% mine now, right? So finding that inside of like, okay, I, I want an artistic space. I want to, I want to have expression. I want to have all these things and I want people to feel free. And I want, and so it came from that place of what I feel like I really want as a stylist and what I wanted for myself and what I felt like I was lacking even in a space that I created that I loved. I loved my old salon. Right. I have nothing bad to say about it really, but it's just from a different phase of my life. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's like the thing, right? Is that just because you want to do something different or move on, it doesn't make any of your past choices bad or wrong. It just means you want something different. You want to go in a different direction. And I think that's really beautiful. So thank you so much for being here today. I think these, there's just so many good little nuggets dropped in. So I appreciate you. Where can my listeners go if they want to connect with you after this episode? So I'm on Instagram, hairbender. There's an underscore and then M for Marissa. Salon is at moss underscore hair underscore CO. Um, and then both of those, I have a website like that's listed on the Instagram page. But yeah, that's where I'm at most of the time. I'm trying to get into like the whole TikTok thing, but I'm not very good at it. So <laughs> it's like eventually maybe I'll be on there. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll update whenever you are. <laughs> right, right, right. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Joe. Thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Hairstylist Rising podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Be sure to check out our show notes for all of the links mentioned in today's episode. And if you want to get in touch with me and let me know what you're thinking, what you'd like to see on the podcast, or just share your favorite episode, send me a DM over on Instagram, either at hairstylistrising or at it's Jody Brown. I am so excited to see you back here, same place, same time next week. And until then, I am Jody Brown. I am your host and I'm signing off now. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast and we'll see you next week.